Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Grand Lighthouse Coffee. Grand Lighthouse Coffee is the e-commerce business that sells certified organic fair trade coffee, either whole bean or grinded. Chemicals do not touch the beans, and the farmers who grow the green coffee are paid and treated fairly. Coffee beans are made to order so you will get freshly roasted beans no later than seven days after being roasted. Grand Lighthouse also provides memberships for families and businesses depending on how much coffee you purchase per month. For more information and updates, follow like them on Instagram, Facebook at Grand Lighthouse Coffee or visit their website at GrandLighthouseCoffee.com and don't forget to use your promo code EastWest to get 10% off. Scouts over relied on heavily when evaluating talent. Teens should be drafting for the future and not just immediate needs. It all starts with the quarterback position. Thank you for listening to the East-West Football Podcast with Jerry Martinez, Kendall Whitley, and now here is your host, Fidel Barraza. Thank you for listening to the East-West Football Podcast. I am your host, Fidel Barraza. Alongside with me is my co-host, Jerry Martinez, and also our special guest, our senior draft analyst from the EastWestFootballNetwork.com, Walter Stringer. How are you guys doing? I'm doing real good. I'm just so I'm just so glad to have uh, Walter join us. Uh, Walter has been a, a, a vital part in the EastWestFootballNetwork.com website. Uh, Walt, thank you for your time. Thank you. Pleasure to be here, guys. Hey guys, real quick before we get started. So Kendall's not going to be on tonight's podcast due to a family emergency. We just want to let you, our prayers are with you and your family and we're thinking about you, man. Sure. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, you know, Kendall, thank you. Thank you for everything you do for us. Uh, I, I understand it's just temporary, uh, but uh, we're here for you, man, and we're praying for you and uh, Godspeed, man. Yeah, Kendall, family first, man. Take care, and we'll, we'll talk to you whenever you get back. All right, guys, let's go ahead and get started. So the biggest story that's out there right now in football is COVID-19 and how the NFL and college football is going to address the situation. Uh, there was a report earlier today that came out saying that 92 NFL players tested positive for COVID-19. In the last hour, there was another report that came out and said that that was false and that the player count was actually at 53. So we actually had a pre-call before our podcast and we're, you know, discussing how the NFL could pull the season off or how football can just, you know, come back in general. So we thought that if the NFL just played in-division games uh, and cut the season in half, that that would help out uh, not only with traveling, but the less people around your team as well. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that, that, I think that when you look at it, we all miss football. I mean, we all that's what we all do, right? We love football. We love scouting football. We just we have our favorite teams. You know, uh Walter, you can share you can share who your favorite team is. And uh you know, there's no shame in that, right? But still, I think that when you look at the big picture, I think that if you can stick to the division, I think that that would help 
as far as doing those cross, you know, you know, in, in some cases they are going to be long distance and you are going to have to get there. But like what Mike Florio uh, reported uh, a couple of weeks back when he said that teams would fly to the, to the actual uh, opposing team on that day and game day on game day, get there on game day and get on there and, and play the game. And then that same day head back. I think that's a, that's a, that's a good, I think that's a good approach. Uh, but I think that thinking outside the box, I have not heard anybody present this type of idea to make sure that there is a football season. Right. I think that the, the nation needs it. I mean, football needs it. Even the youth needs it. So I think that, I think the NFL should definitely take some of these considerations uh, into, into play and look at every avenue. But earlier, I like what Walt Walter said, and Walt, I don't know if you want to go ahead and chime in, chime in and share with us on that. I'm sure I can elaborate on what I was saying earlier, that they could probably just regionalize everything. Given the fact, say here in Detroit with the Lions, Lions could always play Vikings, Bears, um, Packers, Rams, Chiefs, all of those teams, Colts, Browns, uh, Bengals. They can pretty much play all of those teams because all of those teams they can actually bust to and bust back. And it cuts down on a lot of unnecessary contact with unnecessary people. Yeah, and I mean, at this point, everyone wants football back, right? But you want to make sure you want to bring bring the sport back by having everyone safe, right? Because safety's first, and, you know, we can't forget that they're, they're not just football players. They have families as well. Um, you know, right now, pretty much every option's on the table for the NFL. It's just the, the time's ticking, right? It's taken away. So even – I even read earlier that the option to cancel the season's not out of the question. I, I don't well, – doesn't it seem – oh, sorry. Sorry, Jerry. Uh, no, I was just saying I, I don't – I think the NFL is still going to proceed with it. I just think that, um, that something has to give, right? And, and we saw the pushback with the players saying, hey, you know, I mean, Russell Wilson – I think his tweet was one of the most notable ones, right? When he said his wife was pregnant and yeah. w- what ifs, right? And man, th- those are the things that, that, that we, that you don't want to do, right? Number one, you don't want to get somebody in your family sick. And number two, I'm pretty sure if you do get sick, you don't want to spend time away from your family. So, yeah. I mean, I, I think that regardless, I do think that the season is going to happen. The NFL is just going to have to find a way to make sure that, you know, that they, they can keep as much contact to a minimal as possible. What are we going to check? Doesn't this whole situation kind of have a vibe to it, like, like a ticking time bomb that's just going to blow up? Yep. Because as Fidel was just saying earlier, if you think about it, the NFL has had the most time to get prepared for this out of all four major sports, and they're pretty much caught with their pants down. I was reading earlier, is it what, six teams out of the 32 that have actual systems set up and protocols set up in case there is an outbreak? Yeah. And all 32 teams have to have at least 20 players. Yep. Well, didn't the rookies have to uh, report today for the Texans and the Chiefs, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah. And, you know, the Texans signed all all five of their their, um, draft picks today? Yep. Yep. And, you know, and the other thing that, you know, that I was thinking about, I was like, all right, well, one of the other things you can do is, yeah, cut the season in half, but also have like an NCAA tournament 
uh, deal, right? In the playoffs, he'll have, you know, teams play on a neutral site and same thing for the Super Bowl. If you think about it, Tampa Bay is not going to want to host a Super Bowl if they can't make any revenue off of it, right? So then maybe they can say, hey, NFL, in four years, give us that Super Bowl, right? Because um, we saw it with the draft that happened this year, right? So Las Vegas was supposed to be the place for the drafts in 2020. And uh, unfortunately, with everything going on, they had to reschedule it. So they're going to actually host a draft in the Pro Bowl next year, I believe, right? So I think it would just be a smarter plan to do it like that if you do want to get football, you know, uh, rolling. And even – so let's just say if you cut the season in half, you don't have to start in September. You really don't, right? This gives you a little bit more time to figure out an actual good game plan as far as how you're going to go about the season. Um, You know, the NBA – they tested – I think today was the first time that nobody tested positive for, you know, people in the bubble. And I know the conversations haven't happened, you know, about the NFL having a bubble just because the season's so long. But still, that is definitely something they should consider. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, I think it was Brian Baldinger. Uh, he, he, he put out an interesting tweet, and I, and I looked at it. I was like, I wonder how if, – if this is facts. He said, in Major League Soccer – uh, Major League Baseball and, and the NBA, they've administrated a total of 4,170 COVID-19 tests since July 13th, and there have been two positive tests. So, I mean, when you look at that, obviously they have some protocols that maybe the NFL needs to take a look into as far as implementing. I mean, that's that's just insane. That's a, that, that's a, that's a, uh, that's a ton of cases. I mean, a ton of tests. Yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, for for that to, for that to have, I mean, hey, if you could do it in soccer, you know, which is the closest thing to football, right? Because, you know, you run around and DNA just flying all over the place. I mean, why not NFL? Well, well, you know the other sport too that we haven't talked about, and I know this is a football podcast, but the NHL they're going to come back too, and that's a contact sport as well. So it's going to be interesting to see how they go about it. Uh, they're going to have a tournament too. They're not going to. They're not going to finish out the season and have a playoff. They're going to actually have a tournament. True. You know, I think the one thing I think is very dangerous that no one's really talking about and sort of underestimating the fact that it's not going to be a preseason. That's very dangerous. That's dangerous because when you think about it, the guys who didn't make the playoffs, the teams who didn't make it, some of those guys haven't played football in nine months. It'll be nine months by the time the season kicks off. That's if the season kicks off on time. So injuries happen through four preseason games. What do you really think is going to happen? These guys haven't been able to have any contact with each other. They haven't been able to be in the same room with each other. Yep. So you, They've wait. just been working out. They're workout fiends right now. So by the time season season starts back, we can see a rash of injuries. Yeah, and you know what? You bring a, a really great point. Uh, I think the last time that the preseason was shortened was the, the year of the lockout, right? Um, yep. And that was the year that they had the most injuries, you know, out of the whole, you know, entire NFL season that they, they've had. And that's due to the fact that they did not have all four preseason games. I mean, these guys are human. They're not robots, right? They need to get warmed up and they need to start running around and not just at practice, but, you know, they need to make physical contact with another team. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and 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 I mean, you use preseason right to see who you're gonna keep on your on your 53, right? Uh, so 
I mean, there's going to be some cuts that is going to be insane, right? How do you know who you're going to cut and who you're going to keep? I mean, a big part of the game is special teams, and a lot of these players that you keep from the preseason are your spe- your special team aces. So that's another interesting aspect to 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 ponder on. True, and a lot of these teams are going to find out about their rookies real quick. You because know, yeah, these I, rookies didn't have time to actually be around. Exactly. Uh, you know, that's who it's going to hurt the most. It's going to hurt the rookies, the, the you know, the undrafted free agents that, you know, that were assigned to teams. I mean, a preseason is crucial, right? Because some of these players make it on special teams, um, you know, or, you know, they're good enough to get cut, but they get signed to the practice squad. Yeah. And also, some of these players need discipline. Some of those rookies need that wake up 5 a.m. every day, practice from 6 to 6, go home, back to the, the, the hotel, sleep, eat. They need that discipline. Some of those kids have gotten money, and they've been pretty much thrown out and about into the world with, hey, I'm going to send you this. I'm going to email you this playbook, and I'm going to trust that you, you learn it. And I'll check back in with you through Zoom next Tuesday. <laughs> that is like some, some, some of those kids don't need that they need structure yeah no I yeah think- but you know what the, the other thing is maybe they don't even know they don't even know how to read a pre- uh, playbook you know the, yeah they have the, these microsoft tablets that they can use but let's just say you're in a really complex offense really you're not let's just say you're reading this like at two three in the morning are you seriously going to call your coach and say hey i have a question we're going to call your coordinator hey uh, what's this route mean so I'm sure, hey, I'm sure Joe Burrow would. <laughs> <laughs> Joe would. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm pretty sure that I'm pretty sure some of these coaches have had to get used to that kind of you know waking up at different times when when if a player is really right studying the, the the playbook like the way they should be. But I mean, I mean, luckily we we live in a social media day and we can see what some of these you know rookies are are doing right and uh, uh, some of them look like they're I mean, they're they're keeping they're keeping their nose, uh, you know, keeping their body, keeping their mind and their body right. Um, yeah, there's been some unfortunate here and there, but I think that overall, it's gonna be it's gonna be this is gonna be. This is something that we're not used to seeing, and I think it's gonna be something huge because if the NFL can pull off a successful season, man, they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna be the ones to really set the mark for all professional. All, all, all pro sports all over the nation. And, and you know what? I don't doubt that they can, you know, have a successful season, but it's going to be hard. And then, you know, there's a lot of coaches on the hot seat. I mean, that's the other thing that not a lot of people are talking about. So let's just say, you know, Walter, you know, in, in Detroit, we know who's in the hot seat. It's Matt Patricia. So of course. Are, are you really going to judge him off a of season with everything going on? You know, yep. hey, you guys are six and ten. You know, yeah, I understand everything else is going on, but hey, we're gonna have to cut you. We're gonna fire you. We don't want you back. Is that? Do you, do you really see that? I mean, is that is that more like an an excuse? Is is that gonna be the scapegoat? Is scapegoat gonna be COVID nineteen? You know, it's funny you brought that up because I thought about that the other day when I was riding in my car. Like, what if Patricia does mess around and go six and ten or four and twelve? And they can use COVID as an excuse. But I don't think it's going to happen. I think, at least in the Lions' case, that particular roster isn't isn't going anywhere this year. So I believe even if 
it we could possibly have a season where things get shortened. I don't believe everything is going to go straight as planned. I think there's going to be outbreaks, and we may have two straight weeks of games, and then a week may get canceled, or it may be a Thursday night game, but no Monday game. Then I don't. I really don't see the season just going off without any hinges in it. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because the other thing that I was thinking about too is why not have everybody on the same bye week? So hear me out. So you you play eight games. You know, after four games, everyone takes a bye week. You get to unwind. You get to, you know, just relax. And then you go after it after that. And maybe the same thing during the playoffs. We know that there's, you know, a new playoff seating and only the number one, you know, seed in each conference gets a bye week. But, I mean, are you really going to be able to pull that off this year with everything going on? Well, I'm well, going to be the optimistic here. <laughs> I think I, I think that. You know, for the most part, I think that the NFL is going to try to make sure that, I mean, number one, okay, if a player is affected by, you know, the, the, by by the illness, right? I'm yeah. pretty sure they're going to have a protocol in place where they're not going to allow them to see their family and they're gonna the right, uh, or they're going to get the right treatment. Yeah. So, so that's not going to spread to their families so it can continue spreading. So if a player does test positive, they're, mm-hmm. they're not going to be, they're not going to be allowed into uh, you know the, facility, gonna, yeah. yeah the facilities or or back home they're, they're going to probably keep them there so i i do i'm going to be optimistic here i'm just going to go on the limit i'm going to say within the next three months or so i'm pretty sure a lot of this stuff is going to submerge we're going to start seeing the numbers we decline hope. we hope well I, i'm being optimistic here yeah. so I, i'm pretty sure that a lot of these numbers are going to decline and towards the back end we're going to see a full season happen towards the back end well, do they plan on wiping out the extra football? The Saturday game, well, later on in the season, the Saturday night games, all the Thursday night games, or are they going to go back to just needed football, which would be Sundays and Monday nights, and cut out the Monday night doubleheader? I don't believe so. It was, yeah, it was, I didn't think so either. It, well, there, there, was talk, there was talks that they want to take over Saturdays. Yeah, well, yeah, but so that was pre-pandemic, I guess you can say, right? So. Yeah. You got to think about it, man. So the NFL is a business. It's a well-run oil machine. So a lot of these TV networks, they fight for these games, right? And, you know, and now it's even going to be more because no one's going to be there to watch in the stadium, right? Everyone's going to be watching from home. So they're going to do tremendous ratings like never before. I mean, you know, I was watching exhibition baseball last night at like 1030. It's crazy, man. It's just, you know, I was – you can only watch so many old games until you want to see, like, some live action, right? Um, kind of get the juices going a little bit, right? Like, hey, like, that's a strike. That's an out. You know what I mean? So, at least for me, and I'm a sports junkie, and I love football, you know, more than baseball. But at the same time, you have to think about it. So, these networks, they fight to have these games on there, right? Um, you know, especially, like, Sunday Night Football. Like, you already know, like, that's a prime that's a prime spot for all the teams to be on and not all the teams get to be on that. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's crazy times that we're, <laughs> we're going to go into. I mean, the one, the, I'll tell you this, the one, the one thing that I was really looking forward to was the, the college season before, of course, this is pre, you know, uh, pre COVID. I was really looking forward to this, the season for college football. I think college football, that's going to be a little bit harder just because, uh, I've heard some reports that I think the NFL's invested seventy-five, close to seventy. I think 
I heard this on, on I heard Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks talking about it uh, on their podcast. I think it was seventy five million for the COVID testing protocol. I mean, that's 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 a steep that's a steep payment for any pro uh, any pro sport. I think to pay. Well, you see, was it as of today? Didn't the, uh, the NFL PA agree on it that they would have was it mandatory testing every day for the first two weeks? Yes, I believe I believe that was it, and then they were going to do a testing. What was it? Every other oh, man, I think it was every every other day after that. I'm actually so it says NFL agrees to daily testing. As training camps approach, league and NFLPA have agreed to conduct daily COVID-19 tests, and that's uh, via Pro Football Talk. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it looks like they're gonna, they're really gonna make sure that that these players are healthy, and and number one that, number one that they're healthy, and number two that their families are also healthy during the process. Yeah, so this is just an ongoing situation, of course, right? And this is just a conversation that we had, but we felt like it was it was so relevant, you know, for today that we decided to create a podcast. But enough of COVID nineteen, Walter. Let's you know let's let's talk to you about the draft, man, and what you thought about this year's draft class, weaknesses and strengths. Um, as of right now, I put a well. You can go back and look at the article I did publish. The tight end position is a very strong spot this year. I think the tight end is a very, very strong spot. Also, I believe the running back position, well, given the fact the running back position has been devalued anyway, I don't see any day one starters. Well, they can be day one starters. I don't see any studs. I don't see any APs. I don't see – even I thought Geis was. The year Darius Geis came out, I thought Geis was going to be a stud. But I don't see any of those guys. I think there's some true value guys that can be part of a nice stable with the right organization. But I do think, yeah, the tight end position is very strong this year. There's, I have currently three guys going in the top 40. Wow. And that's only because that position is devalued too. Yeah. You know, we don't care about tight ends until they get to the league. That's true. You know, people say, oh, I would never draft a tight end in the top 10. Okay, well, if you knew Travis Kelsey was going to turn out to be what the hell he turned out to be, <laughs> you would have taken Travis Kelsey in the top ten. Oh yeah. Hey, Walter, another one is George Kittle, right? I mean, yeah. He, Kittle. <laughs> he's about to get paid. He was a fifth rounder. Yeah, out of Iowa, and he's about to get paid, man. He's about to get a huge payday. But you know, I think the, the NFL is sort of going in the direction that the NBA went in, kind of with positionless players. And that goes to one tight end I was talk, I was actually going to elaborate on in Kyle Pitts from Florida. Now, Pitts is pretty much – he's a souped-up wide receiver. He's sort of like with Devin Funchy. He, well, he's a better version of Devin Funchy. But he's a souped-up wide receiver. You can move him all over the chessboard, and he's a weapon. Now, he's pretty thin right now. He needs to put on some weight. He needs to get stronger at the point of attack. He's an awful blocker right now. He can improve in that. But he's going into a league that covets players like him. Hey, look! Look how high Isaiah Simmons went this past draft. Yep. I and I really didn't believe in Simmons that much. 
I thought he was a – I've never been a guy who's been big on drafting guys with no position. No, yeah. You know, I said the same thing about Jabril Peppers. Peppers had no position coming out of the mission. And currently, at best, he's what, an average NFL safety? A good putt return, but, yeah, an average safety. Yeah, so, like I said, I'm I'm kind of shaky, kind of iffy when it comes to positionless players, but in his case, he could be a, a matchup nightmare at the next level because you can put him outside, you can throw him in the slot, you can line him up in the seams, he can do everything, and he catches everything. And that, and that's interesting you say that, Walter, because they were saying there there, uh, and uh, I got this from Daniel Jeremiah also. I gotta get the do word where you know I get my my info sometimes, but they did they said that the NFL forty three percent of the teams in the NFL are running a they're running a, a double tight end set. So if if this is the year to get your tight end, I'm pretty sure a lot of teams are gonna be cashing in on those tight ends pretty early. Uh, it's, we'll see, right? Last year it was considered a, a, a so-so right tight end class. It wasn't – I mean, there was maybe one or two names out there that, that people would – I mean, they were just saying, you know, high high second-round pick. And, you know, we, we did see what, who was the most notable co-commit. So I'm pretty sure if, if, we see, if we see some results – and that's the one thing that I've always seen is that rookie tight ends don't make an impact – uh, day one or in the first season, so still going to be interesting. I know there's a lot of teams out there that need tight end, uh, tight end help. I know the Lions reached for a tight end one time and they got him what in the top ten. Eric Ebron, well, two of them, two of them. Oh, and they, oh yeah, they took yeah. Hawkinson last year. Yeah, and, and the only thing with Hawkinson was that he could huh. he could stay healthy, but Hawkinson has some promise though. Hey, I'm really high on him, man. I'm really high on him. I'm going to tell you guys, he's had a numerous amount of concussions last season. And, you know, it came out that reportedly he had at least four unreported concussions. It's, uh, I mean, so do you see this more like a Jordan Reed situation in Washington? Sort of. Yeah, sort of. It, it's sad because the talent is there, especially here in Detroit. We we saw Javid Best. We saw the talent from Javid Best get snatched away from it yep. because of concussions. And I, I really – I don't want to see it happen to T.J. Hawkinson. I didn't want them to take him that high. I understood why. He was a hell of a player at Iowa. His teammate Noah Fant, who's in Denver now, he was a hell of a player at Iowa. But I just feel that you can get a quality pass catcher at tight end in the second, third, or fourth round. Which is true. You can. I mean, that that is one position that, that sometimes teams do tend to uh, reach for. Yeah. Um, I, I know that this last year, David Asiasi out of uh, UCLA, I, I like I like what I saw on tape with him, and and uh, he was, I think uh, he was a fourth rounder. Was he? Yeah, fourth rounder by uh, by uh, Patriots, right? Yeah, New England Patriots. So, I mean, like we, like you said, if you if you really look if you really look for it, and you can find something somebody that can do what you're looking for, right? I mean, as far as in the tight end position, I think that you could succeed definitely in the later rounds with them. Uh, I, I know that we're talking about the safety class also being a strength in this year's draft class. Yeah, yeah, you have Javon Holland from Oregon. Covers a lot of space, comes up in the in the gaps. He does everything. He can fill gaps. He comes off the edge. Solid player. Um, one guy me and you talked about <laughs> last week. Yeah. Um, Andre Cisco. Oh man, 
I was big on Cisco, but the more film I watched on him, he's an awful tackler. <laughs> like they, they, like people talked about Grant. People badmouthed Grant Delpit last season, but this guy is. He gets pushed around a lot. I will say this: when he misses, he misses big. Uh, from when I was, watching, he misses big. Yeah, when I was seeing the tape on him too, I was like, "Oh man, he's." I mean, don't get me wrong. Uh, I think that you hit it right. I think you hit it right on the button with him. I think he's uh he's kind of a freelancer, right? And uh, yeah. but but when he does miss, I mean, he misses pretty big. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if you could teach a player like that, you know, technique, because I don't know. I mean, because I mean, you, he had seven interceptions his rookie campaign, his sophomore campaign. He came away with five interceptions. That's that. That's a lot of produ- productivity. But still, do you you know in the NFL, do you want to take that kind of chance on a player? You know that that that's something there. And but you also I got Caden Stearns. Uh, I mean, the list goes on and on. I mean, there's there's a there's a, a numerous amount of safeties also. So I mean, I don't want to take anything away from the safety class either this year. Yeah, I mean, it's when you look at Cisco though, it comes down to what do you matter most with him? And aside from the production he gives you with the takeaways, what is he doing the other eighty percent of the time? Is he going out there whiffing on tackles? Because if you go, I will, if you go back and watch that Wake Forest tape, there were some tackles he whiffed or like he kind of he made some business decisions. And he's not the biggest safety either. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't. I'm not. I'm not big on safeties who shy away from contact. Yeah, and then wide receiver also, right? That we talked. Uh, we talked. We talked a little bit about the wide receiver. It's another year that's that stacked at wide receiver also. So it's just it's just yeah. insane. It's just insane, right? And this is what we're gonna miss most if if there's no college season this year is uh, being able to to see how these players can progress, right? Especially in their third year, you know, in college. So, uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully, and I don't know how we're going to do this. <laughs> I know we're going to have to rely a lot on the 2019 tape, right? So. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of issues. Hey, Walt, so before we get off real quick, um, who's the top quarterback in next year's draft? Um, uh, who you got, Trevor Lawrence? We've been, me and you have been talking about this back and forth. I've been saying fields for like since high school. But I mean, if you're, if, all right, let's, I'm going to just going to put you on the spot. All right. You're the GM of the Detroit Lions next year. You have the first overall pick. You have Trevor Lawrence or you have Justin Fields. Who are you picking and why? Well, hold on real quick. Let's add, let, we don't know if he's going to come out, right? Let's, no. just throw, let's just throw Trey Lance in there. But, uh, no, but it, it it's well, you know what? And that's a very good point because now with everything going on, maybe he does decide to come back. But um, a lot of these kids, they think about this as a business, and they're going to want to get out there anyway. So, Walter, you're the you know general manager for the Detroit Lions. You got the first overall pick. You need a quarterback. Matthew Stafford is shot. Uh, you're going to release him. You want to start over. You got a new coach. You want to get a new quarterback. Who are you taking, Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence? I'm taking Justin Fields. Why? Wow. Well, for a few reasons. And I have to actually compare both guys in contrast to each other. I have some issues with, with Trevor Lawrence and his frame. I don't, like, I don't like the way he's built. And when I looked at him in the national championship, but not the national championship game, the Ohio State game, 
when Sean Wade got that faulty uh yeah. Sean Wade got that faulty targeting penalty and they threw him out. But his they beat him up. Like Tre- Trevor's got a lanky frame. I don't really like it. I don't think he's gonna hold up at the next level. There's some tendencies he has also to kind of his accuracy may sail and come and go through streaks and games. Um now when I go over to Justin Fields, I think even going back to watching both of those guys at the Elite 11, Justin had a man's body. He's a thick, strong, built dude. He's strong in the pocket. He's stout. He can throw on the run. He can throw from the pocket. He can throw from every, all different platforms. I like the touch. I like his touch on his deep ball better than Trevor's also. Well, and, and he also has a baseball break, uh, background, too, so – Yep. That's, that's something a lot of people don't know about about uh, Justin Fields. Justin Fields. So, but uh, I I just wanted to throw that Trey Lance that, that curveball because I mean, he had no interceptions, right? And people are starting to take him serious. I mean, yeah. I know the level of competition. I know there's another player that I've been I've been watching uh, because you know when you put on the tape, you, you gotta you gotta you gotta you gotta look at the entire team. And, and uh, one of the players from the from from the Bison was uh, Jabril Cox. I mean, so it's just, I mean, there's just, just so much players out there that it's just, it's just an exciting time, right. To, to be able to dig in and do your homework. Right. But it just comes down to it. I just thought I'd throw that curveball. See if you like Trey Lance uh, from what you've seen. Oh, yeah. or whatnot. I like Lance. I don't think Lance, Lance isn't just sizzle. Like there's some substance to Lance when you watch his, his tape. Also, I like the fact that he can, I like the system he came from. So I'm going to give respect to the system he came from. The fact that they put coaches in the league, they put Carson Wentz in the league, and he's not just a system quarterback. If you watch the film, Lance has got some game to him. He's got a big arm. He's very mobile. He's good on the run. So, like you said, the competition now, you may have to take that into account. But if we're just judging him strictly off his raw God-given ability, Lance is going to be there. Plus, he plays a high-quality position. That's always in demand every single year. And it seems like every year we think to ourselves, okay, everybody got their quarterbacks. Is anybody going to want anyone next year? And then always the following season, everybody's trying to clamor to get to the top to draft some guy. So I wouldn't be surprised if all three of those dudes went in either the top five or the top six this year, next season. That, That would be insane to see. Yep. But all right, guys, that's going to go ahead and wrap it up for this edition of the East West Football Podcast. Again, thank you so much for listening. And thank you, Walter, for coming on the show. Um, if you guys haven't gone on the website, make sure you check it out, eastwestfootballnetwork.com. All the authors do a great job, you know, and also Walter. I mean, he, he's on top of it, guys. So make sure you uh, you check out the website. Uh, but, yeah, that's going to go and wrap up the show. And you guys stay safe and have a good night. Hey there, I'm DC. I host the Rock Podcast. Back to the arena, the interviews. It's about a 30-minute podcast where I talk one-on-one with a band who has released new music. You can find us on all the best podcast sites like Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and more. If you're a rock fan like me, subscribe today to Back to the Arena, the interview. Electric Hey guys, it's Miriam Love here. 
and I want to share something very special with you. Check out my new release, All In, the Spanish remixes, out now on Electric House Records. And always remember, be love, share love, all love. Available now wherever you listen to music. Electric acid.